Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Dude. What's up, money? <laughs> Not much. What's going on uh, with you? I'm sitting here drinking a whole bottle of wine all by myself. No, you know. Oh wait, you're drinking something. I've got some of that too. Let's. Uh, <sighs> there. Wow. It's good. It's, it hits the spot, does it? Smooth. <laughs> Smooth, man. I might as well tell you what it is. It's a 2005. Nicolas Catena Malbec. It is uh, an Argentine wine, a product of Argentina. We've had their O2 or O3 Malbec before, and that's a really nice bottle. I have one of those saved, by the way. I have one of the O2s saved, and I have two. And I have an Ought to Catena Alta, which is uh, uh, an even better bottle than the Malbec. And it's uh, Moy Alta. I'm saving that for a special occasion. I guess I'll save it for when Rocio gets here. I guess that'll be the special occasion for the the Alta. You got a couple tree four special occasions coming up, don't you? <laughs> None that I'm willing to admit to. Right. So if you say it out loud, it becomes real. Yeah, that's right. We don't want reality reeks. To quote my friend Tracy Wood, he used to wear a little pin to school in high school when we were in high school together, and he he had a button that said that reality reeks. Man, hey, I right. reject your reality. <laughs> All right, that's the Mythbusters. Yeah, so I, you got some stuff there, yeah, but I, got I a just, couple of things here. I'm going to say something that's going to make you groan, but I'm only going to talk about it for five seconds. Floyd Landis is making his final appeal, which is to the Court of Arbitration Sport in Switzerland. So we got to wait four months, and the uh, the Skankies are not in the playoffs. Are that no longer? They made the first round, and Joe Torre no longer works for him. I thought you might have something to say about that. Um, that's all I've got to say about that. Joe Torre is. Uh you know, it's too bad. How did you feel winning, about that? Winning four World Series and bringing your team to the playoffs 13 seasons in a row, its I guess it's not enough. I mean, how do you feel about that? I think that he's probably one of the better managers in baseball. Maybe That's not, not the, what I'm asking. Maybe though. not the best. And I think it's i think it's a shame that he got pushed would out you like have, that. Would you have gave him a two-year deal and tried to bring him back? I would have given him anything he wanted. Really? If I owned the Yankees. Okay, there you go. That's what I needed to hear. Yeah. And, you know, everybody can make fun of the Mets meltdown all they want, but what's the difference if you go to the first round and lose? That's pretty much like not what's making the, the playoffs anyway. Uh, three more games, four more games in the Yankees' case. Yeah, that's all. So it's, you know, both the Mets and the Yankees pretty much melted down this year. The Mets just happened to do a little sooner. Well, you know what? Not to belabor the, the baseball thing, because I don't think we have many fans, baseball fans, but I think that what happened was... More I, cycling fans. The Yankees but we certainly belabored that. <laughs> true. The, the Yankees, they started out um, around the, the All-Star break, and they were the hottest team in baseball for the longest time. And I yeah, think... second half, they had the best record they by far. They peaked. They peaked, and then they started going downhill. They started to get into these little slumps where all of the, the sluggers were getting into these slumps right before the playoffs, and you could see the writing on the wall. That's well, it. and A-Rod did what he normally does, which is nothing in the postseason. He actually season. didn't do too horribly. I mean, he was like... 250 for the postseason. Yeah, he, he's got to hit, hit a home run in four games. He's got to hit 350 in the postseason. But in his defense, Mr. Jeter didn't perform all that well no, in the postseason either. No, he didn't. Either, and I'm so. disappointed. 
All right. So the one thing I wanted to mention. My, the one saving grace for the Mets is that they do not have a guy with the nickname The Milkman. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much how I feel about that. Well, his name is Melky. I mean, what are you going to call him? Melky. Hey, there you go. Um, we've talked about in the past this whole Electronic Frontier Foundation. The EFF? The EFF. And we've also talked about how, you know, we're not huge fans of government crackdowns on people using uh, electronic media and unnecessary government crackdowns. You know, the government eavesdropping and, mm. and you know, warrantless searches and big, seizures. You're talking about Big that, Brother. Big Brother kind of stuff. Well, here's this uh, this book. Uh, it's from 1990, actually. It's called The Hacker Crackdown, Law and Disorder on the Electronic Frontier. And it's sort of, and this is back from 1990 um, when there were things such as BBSs. Um, and it's about... Well, the, there are BBSs now, except now they're accessed over the internet instead true. of by dial-up phone line. We, in, 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 in essence, we run a kind of BBS. It is true. But um, the reason why I'm even bringing this up is is uh, on Cory Doctorow's website and his podcast, what he's done is he's he's actually started reading the chapters of this book because he, was, uh, he used to work for the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and he's a big fan of digital rights, that kind of stuff. Not digital rights management, but digital rights. Um, so he's reading this chapter, chapter one at a time. He's got like 15 chapters in his podcast. So go over to craphound.com. That's his website. Craphound? Craphound. And he's got his, uh, his podcast up there in the, in the chapter book. But it's no, great wait, because whoa, it's... Whoa, 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 whoa. You're advertising another podcast? I'm advertising a, the podcast. She's uh, and, and the reason why I'm doing it, because this is a great book. And, and remember back when we used to do things like gaming? Yeah, actually, I was thinking about, you know, it's funny you should say that, because I was thinking about one particular gaming session that me, you, and Scott, and Michelle did. When we couldn't find a place to do it, we used that little shack behind your parents' house, which is sort of like a... It was a, a little... Um, it, it's not like a shack. No, it's almost like a little... Uh, it, it, I mean, you wouldn't want to live in there in the winter, because it's not insulated, but it's like a mini house. It's a it's cabin. It's a kitchen. It's sort of like a cabin. Yeah. yeah, it was very cool, actually, gaming. It, it could be used like a guest house in the summer. Absolutely, yeah. So anyways, um, the... The, the book is about the crackdown from – they started with um, AT&T's pushing of uh, hackers, quote-unquote, sharing their their E911 document and this emergency 911 procedures document that they were just sharing on BBSs. And one of the, the unfortunate uh, victims of this was Steve Jackson Games, the one who did I remember derps. I remember that because one of the people who was not in our gaming group but used to uh, log on to my BBS and probably even yours was a guy named Les. Mm-hmm. And he was a big fan of the GURPS, Steve Jackson games things. And this, this we really... did a couple of GURPS sessions with yeah. Scott. This, this, uh, no, with Les, I'm talking about. I know, well, but, oh, but oh. we did a couple of but sessions. But Les, Les used to post um, quite a bit about the whole GURPS thing, and he was very uh, upset by it. Yeah, and I had, I, I might still have it in a box somewhere, the GURPS Cyberpunk book, which is essentially rules and, and procedures and, and statistical tables for doing this gaming and that was one of the books that caused all of their computers and all of their software and all of the, the unpublished books to be uh, confiscated. Steve Jackson Games was sort of shut down because the word cyberpunk and there were some allusions to people hacking into computers. And it was all gaming. So And, and there was no warrants. There was no receipt for merchandise and there was no trial they basically just came in took his stuff and held it for several years it's the kind of thing they would do now but he would be labeled a terrorist or exactly. something and you know that gives the government carte blanche to do what the f they want yeah so, well, so grab this book doesn't, the the hacker crackdown or go to craphound.com and uh, check it out sounds good hey we got tunes what we're gonna play a tune yes we are all right goodbye 
Yeah. Nice track. That's for all the people who uh, wanted to hear less jazz coming from us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's been unanimously decided by a vote of two to nothing, <laughs> and we're not going to actually play less jazz. 100% of the people that matter voted to keep the jazz in. <laughs> yep, and uh, the music will stay in, too, despite the fact that we had a, uh, an interesting piece of comment come in where one of our listeners actually thinks it's so much fun to listen to John and me speak. He's insane, clearly. Clearly, uh, probably in need of some medical intervention or something. Uh, he likes listening to us. He says we're so much fun to listen to that he would just rather listen to us and no music. So why isn't he like sending bags of cash too? Well, that's the theme of his his comment: is you guys are great. You should be kings of the world. Yeah, we could stand on the front of the Titanic and <laughs> Titanic. Exactly. So you know what? I saw a movie last night. I saw it too. I saw it last night. You saw it. You were there. No. I, decided, I was standing right behind you. I decided we need chairs that aren't as squeaky. These square, Every once in a while, these chairs squeak, and it, it sounds like it's some sort of inappropriate noise. Well, the when chairs are keeping it real is what it is. <laughs> thank you, chairs. So I saw Sicko last night, which is a, uh, a film by Mr. Mikhail Moore, and uh, there were probably a lot of Americans, uh, uninformed Americans, who would refer to him as Mikhail instead of Michael, you know, commie reference. There. Right, Pinko. He's a Pinko. He's making he films about He hates his country. He hates his country. He's a commie Pinko. And he doesn't care about anybody but himself. Look, I've mentioned it before that I sometimes don't like his smarmy attitude, but this film, to me, was extremely powerful. And every citizen of this this country should watch it twice. And, uh, listen, I sit here with you all the time and have to deal with smarminess. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about there. Well, you're looking in the mirror constantly. That's the problem. You know what your problem is? You're a cheese-eating surrender monkey. <laughs> I mean, that's really the problem here. No, no, no. All right, I like so the spicy Michael, Michael Moore, right? He's not a a pure documentarian in any sense of the word. His films are are a kind of documentary. I mean, but at the end of the day, they're entertaining, and he's trying to tell a story and, and convey a message. Well, they're nonfiction, is what they are. Yeah, I mean, if you want a documentary, go rent a Ken Burns film or something. You know, <laughs> Michael Moore is doing his own thing. He certainly has his own style, and I, I sort of love his sarcasm, and I love those little scenes he cuts in of like idyllic night. 1950s middle America sitting around the table and eating cake and, you know, doing that kind of thing. Yeah. If, for anyone who, who doesn't like Michael Moore's politics, you have to at least admit that he's a, he's a talented filmmaker. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed all his work. And as I said to you in an email today, I think it was, of the three most recent films, Fahrenheit 9-11 made me angry, but Bowling for Columbine and Sicko really had a, a, a deeper kind of profound emotional effect on me. They, they made me angry as well, but there, was, there were other emotional components involved. So for the uneducated rich, what was this film about? This film is about the healthcare system in the United States of America. It's an examination of not those who are uncovered when there are about 50 million Americans who are not covered, but this was about the people who are covered and nonetheless still aren't getting their illnesses taken care of. And if they are, they're having to file for bankruptcy and go into debt in order to, what's the word I want? In order to survive. To, to survive, yeah. And they, the film has started with uh, a husband and wife couple who raised four or five kids and all the kids got college educations and they're all doing their own thing. But their bills were so big that they had to sell their house and move into one of their daughter's houses. Right, move into her, her spare room, essentially. These parents who... Who essentially they they are are fabulous taxpayers. They they've supported 
other people it's in this country. It's a great band name, the yeah. Fabulous Taxpayers. Yeah, taxpayer. They uh, they supported uh, scores of people, including their own children, with their their tax dollars and and other money out of their pocket. They're good citizens. They're good people. And unfortunately, one of them got cancer. I think it was. And all of those treatments were not entirely covered by the insurance, and they had to be paid out of pocket and through mortgages and second mortgages, and then they go bankrupt. And you have these people who normally would, in their prime of their life, you know, they're not like they're in their 80s, they're in their, yeah, their these, 60s. These people should be able to retire, yeah. kick back, and do some traveling. Go you to know, Florida. Go to go see the biggest ball of yarn in the world, maybe Niagara Falls, the Grand Canyon. Eat a chili dog from a stand that looks like a chili dog (laughs) (laughs) exactly go to new york and have some roasted chestnuts from a cart i love those by the way i haven't had them in years hate them but anyways yeah you don't like roasted chestnuts i never like chestnuts oh i love them there's something wrong it's my mom's favorite food in the world but i don't like them so so that is so wrong (laughs) what else don't you like about me rich come on bring it on well could you get a shirt that's a little newer than that this is a brand new shirt. He's wearing a Star Wars shirt that's made to look old, like he it's bought pre-worn. it. It's pre-worn. Yeah. It's, it's, it, the Star Wars logo, silkscreen, is made to look like he probably purchased it in 1977 when he waited in line at episode number one when it opened at 7 a.m. And Nonetheless, it's a recent shirt, and it's, it makes me laugh every time I see it. Well, tomorrow I'm going to wear my Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon shirt. <laughs> so, you know, we could approach talking about Sickle from two angles. We could talk about the film or we could talk about the healthcare system because the film is certainly an attack on the healthcare system. You know, do, do we want to talk about Sicko as a film or do we want to talk about the healthcare system? Well, I want to talk about the film a little bit because there's, you know, again, I think this is an important film and I think everyone should see this film. But there is, you know, there there are some criticisms that I have of it as a film, not as a, as a topic. Because I, I, I agree with the message 150%. The only thing that I didn't like about it was at the end, some of the, I don't know, the staging of the, the whole Cuba mission. <laughs> I think that was a little bit over the top. But other than that... Like what? Well, I think the... That was my favorite part of the film, by the way. Again, bringing people to Cuba and doing that, I think, is very powerful because you can just say these things. You can can bring out the statistics and you can say, well, Cuba can do this and Cuba can do that. And then people will, will dispute it. But when you actually bring people there and you show them getting the coverage, well, that's a different story. But I think that... You know, it seemed a little hokey where they were like, oh, let's all get on a boat. And, you know, you know, that's not really happening. That was all totally staged. Well, but that that was a separate thing done at a separate time. I mean, they went and they parked their boats outside Guantanamo Bay and, and tried to get universal health care coverage like the uh, enemy combatants who are b- illegally being detained there are getting. But I think his trip, the trip where he actually entered Cuba and was on Cuban soil for me, that's a, a totally separate thing because I'm sure they did it at a different time. Oh, absolutely. But I think the way that it was edited together, was it was made to look like they all got on the boat, they did this thing, and then they they put that, you know, uh, what was it, the Homeland Security warning, don't, you know, we, we can't well, tell you how I, we got I, there. I think it was for good humor, nothing more. Right. It's, but I think that that was the only thing that detracted from the overall serious message. I'm, I'm totally serious. Not, not that's my, my opinion. No, it's not, my opinion not, only. Not seeing it. Not well, feeling a lot it. of stuff you don't not, see. It's, it's just the vibe of the thing that you don't like. <laughs> you, you always talk about vibes. So, anyways, 
So uh, let's see what what about this film shocked me. One of my favorite parts of of this film was uh, Michael Moore. Yes, he went to Cuba and he showed that their universal health care system covers everyone. But he also before he went to Cuba because that if he went there first that would have been criticized immediately. Absolutely, he, he went to England and France and Canada uh, as well to show that there are Western non communist. Uh, you know, free thinking people, free thinking, and I'm, of course, I'm not acu- accusing the Cubans of being anything like that, except our government would. Yep, democratic nations. Yep, and um, you know, Canada reveres the person who implemented their universal health care system more than anyone as Even a national hero. More than Wayne Gretzky was one of the guy's <laughs> right. jokes, but I mean, there's that's an interesting thing to say because Wayne Gretzky is a gigantic hero in, in Canada, the greatest hockey player who ever lived. He's probably to. Canadians, he's like Babe Ruth is to America, or Michael Jordan, or probably you know, yeah, because they're both living. That might be a better analog, you know. Yep. And when he did go to England, he showed that you know a lot of people say, well, the first thing people say is that all Canadians come to the U.S. for their health care because we have a better health care right. system. That's one of the big lies that's bandied about uh, in all corporate media settings, Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, and it's simply not true. I said this before, but. The Canadian healthcare system, if you poll uh, a random sampling of Canadian citizens, has about a 90% approval rating. There are probably wealthy people who come to the United States because if you can afford it, we have the best healthcare in the world. If you analyze our healthcare system as a whole, what was it, 30th in the world or 29th? Something like that. Slightly ahead of Slovenia. And then there was the, the, one, <clears throat> the one issue of uh, lifespan. I mean, again, there were these statistics thrown around, and they were, of course, making a point. But I have an issue with the one statistic where he said that that Americans live shorter than most other civilized nations. I think it was Brits in particular that they were talking about, no? Uh, I don't remember exactly if they were comparing it directly to the Brits. But they said Americans don't have as high of a a lifespan if if we've got such a great healthcare system. Well, you know, there are a lot of other factors in the United States. Like Americans have really bad diets and, and health in general. It's not the healthcare system's fault. Well, it is to entirely. some degree because the other healthcare systems preach preventative medicine True. and we don't do any of that. And I would argue that teaching people about good diets is every bit a doctor's job and should be part of the healthcare system. I mean, your dad used to force feed me Twinkies. So, you as know, he was smoking. <laughs> as, as he was a cigar and a cigarette at the right. same time. <laughs> and then he would put those out and get the pipe. Right. The the one of the biggest surprises in the film for me though was, you know, okay, okay, criticisms, right? Most people criticize Canadian healthcare and say all Canadians come here. Well, that's just a myth; it's a lie. The other big myth is that doctors who work under some sort of single payer socialized healthcare system don't make money. So Michael Moore interviewed a, a fine British doctor and said, well, geez, you must live in a really ratty part of town and drive a real jalopy piece of crap car. Yeah. And this, for me, was my favorite part of the film and because it, it dispels the myth that you that you can't have free market kind of uh, prestigious wealth and have a, a healthcare system like, like the UK and Canada. So, so after Michael Moore asked him if he lives in a really ratty part of town and drives a beat-up old jalopy... They immediately cut to the doctor pulling up to his $1 million three-floor townhouse in his Audi. In London or something. Yeah, yeah, in a a fantastic part of London in his Audi, and the doctor made a good point. Um, I wouldn't work in any healthcare system other than this one because I know there are other healthcare systems that just arbitrarily reject people, and that is against the Hippocratic Oath. Right. And he simply wouldn't work in a healthcare system like that. You can live a quite comfortable life was his uh, wording. 
working in our healthcare system, being the British healthcare system, you know, you can have a nice car, a nice house, a big wide flat screen TV, a home theater, a pool table, whatever you want, a swimming pool. However, if you want five cars in right. four houses in 40 flat screen TVs, this probably isn't the system for you. But that's just excess, you know? I well, mean, that's right. That's gluttony. That's not living well. That's not, that's just pointless. Yeah. Well, and, and, you look at some of the administrators of these these uh, these healthcare systems, like the the Kaiser Permanentes. They get bonuses. These doctors they get bonuses for for reducing the number of of cases taken. I mean that's that goes against the Hippocratic oath, diametrically opposed to it. I guess you'd say. Oh yeah, I mean these people are getting raises and they're getting bonuses because they're rejecting people. And one person who used to work for one of these healthcare HMOs, um actually talked about a specific case where she rejected a guy who needed a life-saving surgery and the guy died. Right. And she that ensured her path to success up the corporate ladder in whatever HMO she was working for. And you could clearly see that, that she was very disturbed by this. And, I mean, that's that's a criminal offense as far as I'm concerned. And she also bothered to point out, I don't know who should be charged with it, her or her bosses, probably her bosses, ultimately. Well, if it's policy, then, yeah, definitely the bosses. But she's very bothered by this. And, you know, she even went to say that there were no consequences for this. This person died unnecessarily and there were zero consequences. And for me, that's just huge. Another part of the film that I was surprised by because it went in a direction I didn't expect it to go was while he was still in Britain, Michael Moore was just kind of jokingly asking the different people who worked in the hospital where the billing department was. And there wasn't a billing department because it's, right. it's all covered. So at one point, he found a window that had the label cashier over it. And I thought the joke was going to be they were in the cafeteria or something, right? You know, that's where I thought he was going, that, you know, if you want to buy lunch while you're in the hospital, you pay the cashier. But much to my surprise, this was not a cashier that you pay money to. This was a cashier that pays money to you. If, for example, you're a, a, in the UK and you have to pay a taxi to go to the hospital to get taken care of, they reimburse you for your out-of-pocket expenses to get to the hospital. This is a cashier that gives money, does not take money. That totally blew my mind. Well, and the reality is this is not the government just giving money away. This is the government taking the money that's been that they've been entrusted with and they're distributing it for the benefit of society as a whole. The- right. And I mean, in our system, they take our tax dollars and it basically, a significant percentage of it, an overwhelming majority of it, gets funneled into the military-industrial complex. I mean, that's what we support with our tax dollars here. But in other civilized Western non-communist countries, they they funnel a significant part of their tax base into keeping their society healthy. And it's just, I find it absolutely an obscenity that in the United States there are people dying when they shouldn't be dying and there are people uncovered by healthcare when they should be covered. Yeah, and and we, we are the wealthiest nation in the world. Period. You know, we argue about do we have the right to burn a flag or not to burn a flag. We argue And, and these are just diversionary things to right. keep people from not talking about the issues that matter, you know? Right. We argue about stupid things like, you know, well, do I have the right to carry my gun in in private? Can I In a shopping mall in <laughs> Texas? Right. And and the reality is we as a as a civilized society, not as cave people hitting people with clubs and dragging our women around by the hair, as a civilized society, we feel that one of the most important things and one of the basic rights and needs is health care. Health. The health of the society is important. We have food, we have shelter, and health care and education. I mean, those are the, the four pillars of the, the uh the society, really. The pillars of of Western 
thinking. I don't know. Right. Well, well, didn't they used to call it? Weren't, didn't Islam have the five pillars or something? Something like that. Yeah, and, 19 well, pillars. These, these should be our pillars. Nine rings of hell. If they're not our pillars, they should be. They're certainly my pillars. Right. But the thing is, one of, the, one of those pillars is not really present because we don't think it's as important as things like being able to choose which hamburger you want, you know, being able to choose which special sauce you have or which lane you're going to drive your car in. I, I really think that these other societies have it like way ahead of the United States. They're, and they're, they're and Michael is, Moore pointed out something that I just interrupt you. Yeah, you did. Go, yeah, their thinking is what? No, their, their thinking is, is, is more progressive and I think it's more right, not left, more right. More correct. More correct. And the United States, we, we've we've taken this whole individualism way to an extreme, way too far as an extreme. That's, that's my point. And I forgot what, what I was going to say. And nothing important. It was something about, uh, more about uh, Michael Moore's antics in, in, in Britain. And I don't remember what it was, so we'll have to move on. Are we moving? Do you want to change topics? Or do you want to... See, we were thinking about talking about Pan's Labyrinth after this. Yeah, or let's do that. we could play a song and continue the sicko discussion later, well, too. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, we've had some vigorous debate on the, the forum, and we would hope to have some more, and have some audio feedback on this. But this is, to me, this is something that I, I am very passionate about, because I really think it's a shame that the people in the society are suffering unnecessarily. What do you think your dad would say about some sort of single-payer, government-funded healthcare system? I mean, and let me just say this about, as an observer who's not related to John's father, but who was my doctor, my GP, since the age of eight, I knew John's dad long before I knew John. As, a, as an observer, John's father was a country doctor. Uh, John's father, uh, in my estimation, was not, you know, living in an incredible amount of wealth. He drove pretty modest Oldsmobiles around. He he wasn't driving Mercedes Benz or anything like that. And I'm sure he managed to, you know, put some money away and, and, and make a good living. But I remember one example where John needed to get moved out of his uh, townhouse on Syracuse University campus. He was moving back home. And I borrowed my father's van, the love van, we called it right. that day, because we were, it was, well, that's another we won't go it's there that's another panel story van. it's a, it's a panel van and we filled it up with john's stuff and I mean, we dropped it off at john's house and uh you know i helped him move out essentially and i had to go for a checkup a month or two after that and i went to J- uh, john's dad and he gave me a, a complete workup you know he he saw me naked and did all that stuff <laughs> you know he grabbed something that hangs and said cough you know all that kind of stuff and I never got a bill. He never billed me because I helped John move out of his campus. He That was a, a kind of barter. I mean, uh, your dad was the kind of doctor who would have been happy to be paid with eggs and chickens like an old country doctor. Yeah, he did that a lot. But I, I think it's it's a tough question for me. Like, what would he think? Because well, on this Thanksgiving, maybe you can ask him. Maybe. On, on one side, he is... He is about as far right in his politics as as you can imagine. And I never saw that side of your dad, so you know I, I know nothing about your dad's politics, which is why I was. And he asking. wouldn't he wouldn't talk about religion or politics in the office, so you'd probably never know even what he was, other than his, you know he's got an Italian last name. <laughs> so, but he's and very he's very short. He's very very far right in his politics, so he he tends to essentially take the Fox Network party line. So if anyone's mm-hmm. against something that is a Democratic platform. He's going to be opposed to it. But on the other hand, the philosophy behind 
single payer healthcare system where everyone should be covered, everyone deserves healthcare. I think you'd be totally behind that. Well, your dad is also a guy who married a woman from who was born in Italy, mm-hmm. and they probably have a more socialized kind of healthcare system. And your dad, if I'm not mistaken, also went to medical school in Italy, didn't yes, he? Yes, he did. Yeah. University of Bologna. And that was probably a subsidized kind of education, and he probably didn't have to pay as much as he would have had he gone here, right? I don't know the details of that, but well, I think he, he paid the full shot because he wasn't a citizen of, uh, mm. of Italy. Yeah, but I mean, he's had, he's had exposure to European style healthcare systems, so he probably wouldn't be totally. Yeah, but that shocked. was back in the fifties, so I don't know wow. what the deal was then. He's old. So, anyways, yeah, I I I think that he uh, the way that he he practiced medicine was put the patient first, and from what I understand, before he retired, that was one of his common complaints was the health insurance and the HMOs were ruining it and making it difficult for him to actually give proper care. He's always getting pressured to essentially, you know, cut the services. So, yeah, it was it was, it was tough for him. Yeah, but I, I enjoyed having J- uh, John's dad as my doctor, and, uh, you know, he was a great doctor. Anyway. And that makes one of us in my family who has seen you naked. <laughs> and let's keep it that I, way, I'm pal. pretty sure he's seen, he only seen me in my underwear, but he did <laughs> tell me to bend over once, and that scared <laughs> me a lot. Anyway, let's, let, you want to play a tune? Yep. Let's check it out. Selling. Year's model is worn out and spent. Her line free features couldn't last a month at Dom's Fair. If you shut your eyes, you can bring to the forefront of your mind a snapshot of another world. State stands up to the wholesale of its girls But such product lines Pack every flight coming from the West So it's sponsored West tonight at best That Bangkok isn't here Selling, are you buying? Selling, we're selling Like meanwhile, so hopeful, so controlled Here's tales of your old pockets Stuffed with gold She signs up to her first world life Sells out aspirations to see richer nations Through the time shot from If you shut your eyes, you can bring to the forefront of your mind a snapshot of another world where the state stands up to the wholesale of its girls. But such product lines pack every flight coming from the West, so it's sponsored at worst, denied at best. Bye. 
what's a perfect pair? The bait, the hunter, the tortoise and the hare. These are ends and loves erased. Thank God she can clone credit cards and leave no trace. Shut your eyes, you can bring to the forefront of your mind a snapshot of another world where the state stands up to the wholesale of its girls. But such product lines pack every flight coming from the West, so it's sponsored at West tonight at best. The trolling bigs dumber Then God help the pavements here That hold us up For he's not short of a pound Or are those spare wives round his hips Because lighter men have been known To sink ships That's a nice track too. Very quirky. It's you know it it sounds out of time to me, and I don't mean time signature time. It, that song sounds like something that could have been written in the '60s, even you know. Could've. It's very folk rock influenced. I really like that. It's 70s. just a, a very uh, modest arrangement, acoustic guitar, some really nice harmonies, some strong lyrics and vocal work. That's really nice. Who was that? I pulled that off of uh, Podsafe Music Network. That was a uh, group called The Portraits. Actually, it's a husband and wife duo very nice yeah and i think i'm going to download their entire album they've got it for sale um, on the podsafe music network some of the links to their tracks weren't working and they've got like seven or eight tracks so i want to check them out some more so pan's labyrinth yeah we've seen this uh, i saw both. that in, and this is like a banner day we've seen all the films that's right and i you know i how did i put this to you if tim burton made films that i like he would have made this film mm-hmm. i'm i'm not a huge tim burton fan and i know that's going to get me a lot of criticism from a lot of people i was a big fan of edward scissors hands in i i love that film but you know the batman uh series of films were great disappointments for me and I, we're not here to talk about tim burton big fish i liked i mean i thought that was sweet it was okay. I think that, yeah, the reason why... It was very... I think there are some strong correlations between this and Tim Burton is because it's it's kind of like a fairy tale. Yes. And it's also a fairy tale set in sort of almost like a real life situation. Like fairy tale meets well, real life. not unlike Big Fish because well, there was all of that stuff that we thought was... It was like a Tom Sawyer tall tale kind of thing. But I'm, I'm just but saying... But at the end of Big Fish, we learned that it really wasn't all tall tales. A lot of these true. people were real. It was all exaggeration. They were exaggerated, but nonetheless, these people were real people. And okay, the tall guy wasn't you know nine feet tall, tall yeah. and, and blah, blah, blah. But they were real people from this guy's life. And, and for me, I, I found that to be... you know I got goosebumps when, when that was revealed to us, when all these people came to the funeral in, in Big Fish. But anyway, yeah, I love the fact that this was a film that wasn't entirely about the the fantasy world, right. the alleged fantasy world. Maybe it was real. Who knows? It was showing the parallels between the fantasy world and the real world. And, and it, her ways of escaping the, the real it, world. And as you were saying, it sort of kind of makes it so that you don't know which is which. You can actually choose which one you want to believe. And uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's a film that takes place in um, 1940s Spain, during the fascist uh, movement in Spain. 
And um, it's about a, a woman and a daughter who the woman married uh, a Spanish army captain who's a real, basically a mean son of a bitch. Cruel bastard. Yep. And the, the girl hates it, absolutely hates the man and everything to do with him and has and it's a the, very the feeling active is, uh, and vivid social or uh, fantasy life. Yeah, the, the, the feeling is, is mutual. The, the captain doesn't like the little girl. Yeah, only, I'm not. I'm not sure the captain likes anyone. He doesn't so. like anyone, but I think that. I mean, clearly he hates himself as well to to do the kind of things he's doing. The wife, you know, marrying this woman, it serves a purpose because you know he's got this social scene that he he sort of uh, deals with, and and it's good to have a wife in the social scene. So I think it's sort of convenient to him, and it's sort of expected that a man in power is going to have a family and a wife. So it's expedient for him to to marry her, but he doesn't like anyone. You're right, he doesn't like anyone. Right, and. The, the, hmm, how do I want to say it? The daughter kind of evolved, devolved, what's the word I want? She, she has these imaginings, you know, that, that, um, she escapes. She, yeah, it's an escapist thing. I think to escape the reality of her life, and that's that, you know, her stepfather's a mean, evil bastard who deserves to be beaten about the head. Cruel and murderous. It's not like yeah, he's just, yeah, you know, he, he, he's got a snide wit. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's just, not, he's, he's not like, like Stacy from what, or, uh, what's her name from what not to wear with a very right. snide wit. You know, he's just a cruel bastard who kills people unnecessarily. So she needs to escape from this. So she has this very vivid um, fantasy life. And who knows? It, it may be real or not, but she escapes to this. And in, in, in this fantasy life, she's a princess and she has to perform certain functions in order to kind of get to the next level. And um, and, and that's what she does to escape. And, and while all of this is going on, the reality of uh, fascist Spain is going on as well, where the, there are rebels in the woods who are fighting against the fascist government. And one of the housekeepers at the house where the captain lives is in league with the fascists. In fact, one of her brother, or I'm sorry, one of the rebels, and one of her brothers is one of the rebels, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So all of these things intermingle and create what for me was a, was an amazing film and very dark you know, might not have the ending you want, you know, a lot of people die, but nonetheless, a, a pretty powerful film. Well, I, I think that even though they might not have the fairy tale ending that people might want in this, you know, Hollywood fairy tale ending, I do think that you, you do see that right sort of triumphs over the, the evil forces. Well, certainly with some expense. With, with some serious expense. A little uh, anecdote about this film. I was, I, and I, by the way, I, I I think this is one of the best films of the past couple of years. I, I really was was taken by it. And I'm going to Blockbuster to to pick up another video, and I see someone getting Pan's Labyrinth off the shelf and going to check out. And behind the counter, the, the Blockbuster guy in his blue and yellow getup said, I have to warn you that this film is in subtitles to the, That's to the woman. That's exactly what they said to me when I rented it. And he, he said, it's policy. We have to warn people because they, oh, they might well, not that like that. It, yeah. And I'm like, okay, first off, they have a policy to warn people about something they could read on the label. And the second well, is... Well, I think that's actually a good idea because a lot of American film watchers don't like these foreign films. Well, the, the thing that disappointed me the most was the reaction by this woman. She's like, oh, great. And she took it back and put it back on the shelf. I'm like, this is a great film and she's missing yeah, out on really it because she doesn't want to read. Well, when the girl told me that, by the way, this is subtitled, I said, every other film I see on Friday nights is subtitled. Right. I, I go to the independent film series at Munson Williams and there's a, a much higher quality percentage of films coming 
coming out of Europe than uh, America anyway these days. So. Actually, most of the films Rich Watch doesn't even have don't even have dialogue. It's mostly grunting and groaning. That's right. <laughs> There's a lot of that and a lot of bad music. <laughs> <laughs> Disco music is good. Anyway, I think that's a show. Tis show. So that was the klaxon. Remember, you can always check us out on the web on our new and improved Movable Type 4.0 blog. At Soon to be updated. Well, it is updated, but it's, it's not 100% updated. Soon to be visually updated. W- oh, that's right. The look and feel is going to change, and that's at www.bloodyveg.com. And you can debate me and tell me that I'm a, a wacko, left-wing, nutjob, pinko on our forum, bloodyveg.com slash forum. That's right. And you can always leave us feedback, and we're still interested in getting feedback about do we suck, and you can leave that to <laughs> feedback at bloodyveg.com. Send all your suck messages to rich at bloodyveg.com. Oh, that's just, or Satan at bloodyveg.com, <laughs> which go. is John. Anyway, we'll see you on the flip side. And you're listening to the VIB.